welcome to Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. Every week we will cover one of the many cases of reported reincarnation experiences so that we can explore the reported facts of reincarnation and bring the discussion out into the light about what happens to our souls after death. But firstly, I would like to thank Raphael Crux for providing us with his beautiful music on the freepd.com public domain music site. I'd also like to thank the Reincarnation Research webpage for the information provided from their site and Dr. Erlinda Haraldson, Professor Emeritus of Psychology at the Faculty of Social Science in the University of Iceland. Dr. Haraldson's research has been wide-ranging and has delved into the paranormal spiritual beliefs, religious and folk beliefs of different cultures. Somewhere in there, he also researched reincarnation and covered quite a few reincarnation claims from Sri Lanka. He has several books on varying studies, including reincarnation in his book, I Saw a Light and Came Here. And this book can be purchased at several online sites, including Amazon. He also has another book that may interest my listeners called At the Hour of Death, in which he interviews over 1,000 doctors and nurses who have been present when people have passed away and they have witnessed some interesting phenomena. I haven't read that one yet, but I'm quite keen to because if you think about it, near-death experiences cover the moment when the soul leaves the body. Most of the time, of course, that departure will be permanent as the body dies. However, thanks to modern medicine and our increasing ability to revive people, we have access to a lot more cases of near-death experience, which gains us an interesting insight into the phases of what people experience at bodily death. Our story today takes us to the rural areas of Sri Lanka, where a young girl recalls a life that occurred where she made and sold incense sticks in Kalania Angroda. Although it has a pretty name, Kalania is a largely unremarkable area, apart from a Buddhist temple that has been built on the shores of the Kalani River. The temple holds a celebration that is significant on the Buddhist calendar that brings thousands of Buddhists in to celebrate for three days every January. The area is described as being a kind of sprawling town that has fields incorporated in it that are surrounded by village-like clusters of houses. It is a very green, tropical area with lush greenery and palm trees surrounding the temple. Gina Dasa Pereira lived in Kalania. He was the oldest of five children, having two younger brothers and two sisters, one of whom was named Violet. His mother's name was Simona and he attended the Rahula school and completed grade five. However, money was tight and the family was struggling, so Gina Dasa left school to work so that he could help support his family. His father was a farmer and life was hard, so Gina Dasa helped doing odd jobs to provide a little extra income. When his sister Violet left the family home to marry a man named Vijasidi in Kalania, Jinadasa went with him. The family she was marrying into made incense sticks. There are two ways to make incense. They can be made by mixing dung and a fragrance scent into a paste, or the paste can be made by blending charcoal ash with the fragrance. Jinadasa's incense was made by blending charcoal ash and the scent. They were the only ones in the country licensed to sell Ambika and get a picture. Jinadasa ended up having a relationship with Vijasidi's sister, Kusumi, whom he lived with for several years, although they never married. In Sri Lanka, according to Sinhalese tradition, you're considered to be married if you live together, if you haven't legally gone through the ceremony. So Kusumi was considered to be and would have been referred to as Jinadasa's wife. 
It wasn't a happy relationship and they fought a lot. So eventually Jinadasa ended up leaving Vijasiddhi's family and he moved to the south of Sri Lanka, to the town of Veligama, where he met a girl called Nanda and the two ended up moving in together. She also would have been considered Jinadasa's wife, so his second wife, even though he never married either woman. Jinadasa started his own incense business in the south with his good friend Somasiri. Jinadasa had been working at Valagama for five years when he went back to his hometown of Kalania for a visit. On his return trip, he discovered that his brother-in-law, Vijasiddhi, had sustained a knee injury that had made him bedridden for several months. Jinadasa decided to move back to Kalania to help with Vijasiddhi's business. Jinadasa's work for the business involved helping in the manufacture of the incense sticks and then he would load up his push bike with the boxed up incense sticks and deliver them around to the local businesses to sell. The business did have vehicles, but Jinadasa and his friend Padmasiri preferred to use their push bikes to make deliveries. It was only a few days after his return from the south of Sri Lanka that Jinadasa had his fatal accident. The day started like any other for Jinadasa. In September of 1985, he loaded up his bike with his supplies of boxed incense and he and Padmasiri headed off towards Galvani Junction to sell their incense. At Galvani Junction, they separated at Willampicha. Jinadasa said he was going to go to Delconda. Padmasiri sold his incense nearby. Then someone asked him where Jinadasa was and he realised that he hadn't seen him for quite a while. At around two in the afternoon, the Nukagoda police came to Padmasiri and showed him a packet of incense, telling him that an incense delivery person carrying boxes of this incense had been run over by a bus. It was a packet of Ambika incense, and Padmasiri then realised what it meant and that a terrible tragedy had befallen his friend. Jinadasa had made it as far as the Dalkounda Junction in the village of Nukagoda. However, as he tried to cross the road, a bus hit him and ran over him. Jinadasa was killed instantly. When one of Jinadasa's brothers went to the mortuary to identify him, he saw that Jinadasa had massive injuries on his body that travelled from the lower left ribs up towards the shoulder. These appeared to have been caused by the tyres of the bus. An autopsy revealed that several ribs had been fractured in the collision and had punctured his lungs. His liver and spleen were also ruptured. Two years later, in 1987, in a village 140 miles away. A little girl was born by the name of Purnima Ekanayagi to the local school principal and his school teacher wife, Kamala Siri. From an early age, Purnima started talking about her memories of her past life. When she was around three years of age, she would say repeatedly, people who drive over people are bad persons. She would ask her mother, do you not also think that persons who cause accidents are bad people? At one time, there was a serious motor vehicle accident that occurred near Purnima's home. Her mother became very upset by what was happening, but Purnima responded by telling her mother, do not think about this accident. I came to you after such an accident. Her mother asked her if she was taken to a hospital after her accident, and Purnima said that she was not taken to hospital as a heap of iron was on my body. She said she had been killed by a big vehicle. Interestingly, Panima says that after she died, her consciousness floated for a few days in a space that was dimly lit. 
where there were many other people floating around her. She says that she saw her own funeral and saw people mourning and crying for Jinadasa. She saw her body up to and including the funeral. Then she saw a light, which she went to, and then came here, meaning she was then born to her teacher parents and their home in Bakamuna. She once asked her mother if she wanted to know where her mother lived. Panima's mother was confused. She said, I thought she meant me and my husband, so I ignored her. Then she said her other parents were living in Kalania, 140 miles away from here. She then went on to talk about her previous life. Anything she made at home, food or clothes, she said, I want to take it to my mother, meaning her mother in the past. One day, the family saw a documentary on the temple at Kalania. Panima saw it and recognised it, commenting that she, as Gina Dasa, remembered praying there. Panima's parents decided to do a school field trip to the temple as it was a culturally significant place for the region. Panima hadn't been enrolled at the school at that time, but she was allowed to come too, and while there had pointed across the river and stated that she had lived on the other side of the Kalani River, which flows beside the temple grounds. But Panima's memories didn't stop there. At the age of three, she could accurately describe the process used to make incense sticks and she remembered the sweet smell. She could remember clearly who she had been. In an interview on a documentary called Real Story Kids Past Lives, Panima says, I was a man before. My real name was Gina Dasa. I was called Gina Sana, but they called me Gina Dasa. I had a sister and a younger brother. What I did in those days was to manufacture incense sticks and then distribute them to shops. We had vehicles, but mostly I went on pushbike. I spent a lot of time travelling from place to place. Panima also remembers the accident clearly. She says, I got down to the Delconda Junction and I had to cross the road. I got off my bike and tried to cross to the other side and I saw a bus coming. I didn't like the way it was headed towards me, but then the bus came right by and it knocked me down. When I opened my eyes, I was under the bus. Panima's family were nonplussed by Panima's statements and Panima herself was having difficulties because of her past life memories. She was having a great deal of difficulty separating her past life from her current life. Then when Panima was five, a new teacher came to work at her father's school. He lived in the area of Kalania. He worked at the school during the week and went home to Kalania on the weekends. When he heard the story that Panima was telling, he offered to do some investigation for the school principal. He wasn't asked to do this, he just offered. He went home to Kalania and discussed the story with his brother-in-law, who said he didn't believe in rebirth, and that fired up both men to investigate the story to prove whether it was real or not. They decided to investigate the matter together to see if there was any truth in the story. They started by making inquiries at the temple, as Panima remembered praying there as Jinadasa. They asked if there was anyone who lived nearby who made incense sticks. The teacher was told there was a village across the water where there were several families who made them. He managed to find the village the monks were talking about and eventually discovered a family that made the sticks and that someone in the family had died of a road accident. The teacher went back to Panima's father, the principal, and told him that he had indeed found a family that made incense sticks who had lost a family member in a road accident. The principal came home and discussed it with his daughter, Panima, and the family decided to go there to meet the family of Jinadasa.
They went to visit unannounced, and Panema's father stated that he realised as they were travelling to the place that Panema's memories were true, as she directed the driver where to go, even though she'd never been in the area before. When Panema and her parents got out of the vehicle, Panema led them along the footpath directly to the house. As Panema walked, she told them the house was higher than the level of the road. She talked about how they would pass a pond. When they reached the house, after passing the pond, as Panema said they would, the house was a small simple house that was indeed raised up from the level of the road and had a set of four steps up to the entrance. Panema's father was stunned how clear her memories were. Before they came to the house, Panema mentioned to her mother, this incense dealer, meaning Jinadasa, had two wives. This is a secret. Don't give them my address, they might trouble me. In the Real Story interview, Vijay City, Jinadasa's brother-in-law and business partner, remarks that one day he was crossing the nearby field to come home and he saw a young girl standing near his house who pointed to him and said that he was her brother-in-law. He said, I heard her saying it. She asked for her sister, my wife, who wasn't there. And then she asked, where is she? At the time that Purnima visited, Jinadasa's sister, Violet, was working in Saudi Arabia, and so Purnima had been unable to meet her the first time she approached the family. Vijasiri continued, she went right around the house looking for incense sticks we used to sell. She asked for a particular packet of incense. The packet wasn't here when she came, but we made it at the time when Jinadasa was alive. She asked why we changed the colours, meaning of the packaging. She was looking for the vans. She was asking a lot of questions. Vijay City states, On the day of the trial over Jinadasa's death, we had to go to the police station first. Purnima was there too. She went up to Jinadasa's sister, my wife, and sat in her lap and kissed her and called her my younger sister. The police were very confused and the magistrate said it was very unusual. Jinadasa's sister said she kissed me. She knew who I was. I was amazed. Vijasiddhi comments with a grin, when a five-year-old is calling a grown woman her younger sister, it's a surprising thing. There was a lot about this case that was surprising. Panima had memories that largely matched the facts of Jinadasa's life. She could identify people who were important to Jinadasa. As mentioned, she recognised Jinadasa's sister at the courthouse and correctly identified her as being Jinadasa's younger sister. During a visit to Vijasiddhi and his family, a number of people stood outside the house, including Somasiri, Jinadasa's friend from the south of Sri Lanka. Panima saw him and recognised him. When her father asked who the person was, Panima replied, This is Somasiri, my friend. Panima also pointed to a woman and said, This is my younger sister, and the woman was Jinadasa's younger sister. Panima was asked if she remembered how to make incense. She replied that there are two ways to make incense. In one, cow dung is used, and the other way uses charcoal ash. A paste is made from the dung or charcoal, and then a fragrance is added. Gum is added to a bamboo stick, and the paste is then held against the stick and rolls to create the incense stick. Ponema noted that in her past life, she used charcoal to make her incense. All of these statements were the technique that Jinadasi used. Dr. Haraldson asked Ponema's father how to make incense, and he'd only been aware of the dung method. Her mother had no knowledge at all about making incense sticks. 
Purnima also remembered that Vijasiddhi had injured his knee and now he could no longer bend it. She told Vijasiddhi that in her past life as Jinadasa, she had put medicine on his knee. She also noted that the Vijasiddhi family had their home and factory at a different site now, which was correct. There is one more telling piece of information relating to this case. One interesting anomaly that occurs again and again in cases of reincarnation is the existence of birthmarks on the person claiming to have memories of the past life. Purnima has physical birthmarks that correspond with the injuries that Jinadasa received that fatally took his life. On her left side, moving in an upward direction across her ribcage towards her armpit, are large birthmarks. These correspond exactly to the sites of the injuries documented in the autopsy of Jinadasa. Birthmarks that correspond to injuries are one of the strange facts that relate to reincarnation cases. In theory, they can't possibly exist, and yet they do, with remarkable frequency. The children that report past life memories are often remembering lives that ended in a frightening and violent trauma, or ended with a sense of there being an unfinished element to the past life that the person wishes that they could put right. My own theory is that in a normal death, we have a sense of closure at the life we lived, and therefore we move on to our next incarnation, after having a period of time to process and relay what happened in the earlier life. But in the case of violent trauma or extreme anxiety because of events left unfinished, the consciousness returns with almost a form of PTSD that overrides the normal blanking of memories that occurs for most incarnations. Purnima's birthmark looks remarkably like lack of skin pigmentation, or vitiligo to call it by its medical term. Vitiligo is caused when the melanin-producing cells in a portion of skin die or stop functioning, and this can be caused by stress. We are aware that Purnima was feeling stress from her memories of the death by the way she repeated constantly how people who ran over people were bad people as a three-year-old. The fact that she remembers it so clearly, too, must be quite disturbing. I'm not sure I would want to have the memory of an event in my head as a child or a toddler that ends in my violent and frightening death. One of the strongest and hardest to deny cases of birthmarks relating to previous life trauma I've ever seen is the case of a little boy who died from cancer at a very young age. This woman's next child, the deceased boy's brother, was born with corresponding birthmarks and behavioural patterns that emulated his brother in an uncanny way. I will cover this story, but I'll be putting it in my Patreon account as it's a shorter story. Shorter stories that I find really interesting will be included in my Patreon page as a thank you to people for supporting me by subscribing to be a member. So if you'd like to hear it, you'll find it there. However, if enough people want to hear it from our free site, I'll include it as a bonus episode. So, up to this point, we've covered all the facts that Panima got right about Jinadasa's life. There were three points where she made statements that were inconclusive. She stated that first our family worked and then two people were employed. According to Dr. Haraldson, there was no way to verify that fact. She also said, I was the best manufacturer of incense sticks. That may be true, or it may be Jinadasa boasting. We have no way of knowing. Her third comment was, my previous father was bad. Again, there is no real way of knowing if that was the case or whether Jinadasa simply didn't get on with him or that was just his personal opinion. 
There were three facts that Purnima related that were considered to be wrong by Dr. Haraldson. However, there's some questions that need to be considered about that assumption. The first is that Purnima described Jinadasa's mother, Simona, to be fair. Dr. Haraldson stated that she was dark at the time he interviewed her, so he felt it was unlikely she would be fair when she was younger. Dr. Haraldson took that comment to be an indication of her skin colour, or perhaps her hair colour, but was that what Purnima meant? Was she talking about fair in the sense of complexion or hair colour, or was she thinking of someone being just and fair, as in she treated all her kids the same? And even if Purnima did mean Jinadasa's mother was fair in complexion, there are a lot of different variations of skin tone in Sri Lankans, with some being darker in skin than others. Maybe to Westerners she wasn't fair, but is she considered fair among her own people? Or the other thing is, was the sentence translated correctly, given Dr. Haraldson used translators for his interview, and fair can mean several things in English. Another error that Panema supposedly got wrong was that she remembered going to school at Rahula School. She said it was a two-story school, which it is. But at the time that Gina Dasa attended classes, there was only one story. So Dr. Haraldson considered that to be a fact that Panema got wrong. However, Gina Dasa died in 1985. According to Dr. Haraldson, the school added its second floor in the 80s. If the school added its second story before 1985, or even if it was in the process of adding the second story then, while Gina Dasa might not have attended the school, when it had two stories, he may still very well have been aware of the added second story by the time he died, as Panima had already said that he was always travelling when he was selling incense. So Panima could very well be correct about Jinadasa remembering a two-story building, even though he didn't study there then. The third fact that Dr. Harrelson felt was wrong is tricky, but to my mind there is enough doubt around the question to place that in the inconclusive bracket too. Panima recalled that Jinadasa's father was a bad person and said to him, you need not go to school, you can make money making incense. Jinadasa did leave school early and was running odd jobs before his sister got married and then he moved in with her to start making incense. So, technically, on the face of it, it does appear that the statement would be incorrect, as he'd already left school well before he ended up making incense. But the question is, when did Jinadasa's father say it? Comments like that can be made at a lot of points in life. For example, when arguing with someone about decisions being made, or decisions that were made in the past. They can be made when someone is wishing for a different life, or talking about future plans they have. In the case of a Sri Lankan person, it can also be as a reminder that the person's first and foremost responsibility is to support the family, rather than bucking the expectations of the family to pursue your own goals, as the needs of the family come first in traditional Sri Lankan households. To guess that the conversation is occurring as Jinadasa was leaving school is to make an assumption. We don't know what the context of the rest of the conversation was, and without that knowledge, we can't really decide whether it occurred or not. So where does all of this leave us? Jinadasa's family are convinced that indeed Purnima is the reincarnation of their beloved Jinadasa. And Purnima, of course, believes fully that she was once Jinadasa. Purnima was only five when she first met Jinadasa's family, 
Panema herself says that when she was little, she had never heard of reincarnation or rebirth. She was purely going off her own memory. She says, when I went to see the family, I came to realise that rebirth was something real, something factual. I learned about it through my experience alone. Panema has remained in close contact with the family as she ages and up until at least the age of 10, she still had her memories and they hadn't faded, as they frequently do when the child reaches the age of 6 or so. It is an interesting case and it's a case that leaves me with as many questions as it answers. Thank you for listening to Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. We hope you enjoyed this case. If you have any interesting stories about reincarnation or if you can relate your own past life experiences, I would love to hear about it and I can be reached by email at reincarnationplr at gmail.com or through my website reincarnationplr.com. If you would like to keep up to date on my latest podcast posts, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and you can find me under reincarnationplr. We'll be back again soon with another episode, but until then, remember you are unique and your life has a purpose. Mm -hmm.